and welcome to the latest RegBedNet podcast. I'm joined today by Dr. Eric Rogers, who's an assistant professor at the MDI Biological Lab in Bar Harbor, Maine. In this podcast, we'll be discussing how factors such as genetic variations and environmental conditions could delay age-related diseases such as diabetes, cancer, and neurodegeneration, and even extend life. Dr. Rogers, thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Um, so, if you'd like to start us off by uh, introducing yourself and telling us a little bit more about the MDI Biological Laboratory. My name is Eric Rogers. I am an assistant professor at the MDI Biological Laboratory, where our focus is on aging and regeneration. And our approach is a bit unique. We're trying to study the molecular mechanisms that underlie aging and regeneration by using a range of diverse, evolutionarily diverse organisms to identify therapies uh, to delay aging and stimulate regeneration in humans. Fantastic. And how did you come to work at the MDI Biological Laboratory? Well, I applied for a position they listed. Um, that's the glib answer. The, the, the real answer is I, I started my hunt for um, uh, positions. I came with a background in studying the biology of aging, and there's, there's a few centers around the country that have this focus. Now, MDI Biological Lab has only uh, recently, relatively recently, in the last few years, shifted to focus on regeneration and aging. And so I was sort of coming at it from the, the bio biology of, of aging perspective, but what really attracted me was that they were also focused on this issue of regeneration. And I feel that combination, this combination of approaches trying to slow the biological processes uh, that contribute to aging and, and also to stimulate regeneration of damaged tissues. I think these are going to be uh, two of the most promising, uh, therapeutically promising areas uh, to prolong the healthy years of life. And what is it that interests you in studying age-related disease and regenerative medicine? Well, it's hard not to be interested in these topics. Everyone ages. Uh, adults experience uh, declines in tissue function and, and quality of life as, as we grow older. An increase in our understanding of the types of interactions between our genes and the environment uh, along with the development or repurposing of drugs that already exist has, has put us in a, a, a really uh, special position where for the first time we actually have the potential to do something to ameliorate declining health uh, that we all experience. Great. And you mentioned that the MDI Biological Lab is using a, a really wide range of uh, genetically diverse organisms. Why are you specifically using roundworms for your research as opposed to other model organisms such as zebrafish? That's a, a great question. One of the things I've, I've come to appreciate um, as I, I got into the biological sciences was that nature doesn't waste what works. And although we may look very different, um, the way we ourselves function and communicate with each other is generally very well preserved among what appear to be disparate species. 
and the revolution in our understanding of the biological processes that influence aging really started with C. elegans in the early 90s, and, and this organism continues to teach us about how evolutionarily preserved genetic pathways influence health and longevity. Um, the other really positive aspect of using uh, this as an animal model is that there's no restrictions uh, for animal use with invertebrates like the small roundworm C. elegans. Um, the animals grow to adulthood in three days and they only live for three weeks, which makes them perfect for figuring out which genes control health, uh, resilience to stress, and, and longevity. Great, thank you. Um, now, have you, are there any challenges that you've come across in your research? How have you addressed them? Uh, yes, lots of challenges. Uh, science is, is a challenge. Running a lab is a challenge. I'm, a, I'm still a new PI, a new uh, investigator. Um, and the biggest challenge right now to my time and effort has been working on developing grant applications for federal funding, which is incredibly uh, competitive right now. And how have you, you mentioned that you're a, a new PI, um, so obviously you're learning all the time. Uh, how have these, these, how do you overcome these challenges? I, I'm still overcoming them. It's, it's basically a lot of, of time and effort and, and um, just not giving up, you know, just, just uh, pushing forward no matter what. Fantastic advice that could be applied to, uh, to lots of situations, I'm sure. Um, so you're, you're particularly studying the, the molecular mechanisms underlying the life-prolonging effects of dietary restrictions. What is the potential clinical implication of this research? Another great question. The dietary restriction, um, is, which is, uh, can involve multiple forms of, of uh, restricting and changing diet, but one of the most common ways is just uh, limiting calories. Um, but there are many ways uh, that this uh, type of dietary intervention um, works to increase lifespan. It's, it's one of the uh, most easily accessible ways that we have um, to uh, increase health and longevity in just about every organism that, we, that has been tested. And, and what that suggests is that um, this holds a lot of promise for us. Uh, we're just another animal on this planet. So, um, you know, if it, if it works in... in in a, a, a worm and a fly and a mouse, it, it you know has has some promise of of working in us. Unfortunately, the extremity of the dietary regimen makes it very difficult to follow, um, and it has some other drawbacks as well. Um, the good thing is we're beginning to get a picture of how gene activity changes um, uh, when uh, under dietary restriction and how that's coordinated, which means we can therapeutically target proteins that control that coordinated effort to get the same or similar results without actually having to uh, go to the extent of starving ourselves or, or putting ourselves on very difficult to maintain diets. How important for, for age-related disease is understanding the relationship between genetic variations and environmental conditions? huge. Uh, it's becoming increasingly clear that there are many environmental factors that affect 
activity of our genes um, that control maintenance and uh, of health and aging. And with respect to diet, it's not just about the amount, but even the types of food, um, and even when we eat. Exercises change. Exercise changes gene activity. There's lots of things that influence the activity of our genes, and 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 that's a big part of what we're trying to figure out is, is um, you know, which gene changes are associated with uh, promoting health. And we're now also moving into this age of personalized medicine. So even though we all have the same genes, there are, uh, among from one human to another, there are small variations that can influence gene activity. So although we have some understanding of the major genetic pathways that influence aging through single genes, we're really only scratching the surface of how Within a species, um, there are variations in several genes that will add or detract from how quickly we age and, and how quickly our organs will degenerate. Fantastic. So we just come into 2017. Looking ahead, what are the next steps in your research? Well, we recently discovered that there are certain ways of limiting protein synthesis with, within cells, um, which is something that happens under dietary restriction. And this, this limiting of protein synthesis extends lifespan and stress resistance, we found, by activating a gene pathway that uh, controls cellular health and maintenance. So we're now applying for a grant to figure out exactly how that works. And what's really cool with the with this intervention is it also increases the ability to deal with mal, malformed proteins. These are misshapen proteins that, that tend to aggregate um, and are associated with age-related diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. So if we figure out how this works, uh, results can be tested in other species, and ultimately we hope that the discovery uh, and other discoveries like this can be used to develop therapeutics to improve the health of our own tissues and prevent or at least delay the onset of these types of age-related disease. And where do you see the field of uh, regenerative medicine and the age-related disease heading over the next 10 years, so looking a lot further ahead? Well, we're, we are on the cusp right now of um, taking what we've learned in aging research and applying it to improve human health. Uh, the first test um, that is um, on the immediate horizon is the repurposing of a drug called metformin, which has been around for a very long time to treat type 2 diabetes. And the pathway this drug influences to control blood sugar is also one that we know increases lifespan from worms to flies all the way up to mice. So the study will be carried out to look at changes in all cause, causes of morbidity in a, in a population of seniors. Um, what's interesting is there was a study carried out looking at people who, who were on this drug and found that some of the people with diabetes that were taking metformin were actually living longer than their non-diabetic counterparts. So the, the good thing for us in this sort of uh, new foray into trying to slow uh, age-related decline is that this drug is super cheap. So it could potentially um, be the first health span ex extending drug in humans that will be widely available. And, and really, this is just the, the, the first one. There are others sort of, I would say, in the queue. 
Wow, so it sounds like you're going to be pretty busy uh, this year. Um, but are there any conferences that you're really looking forward to or any other research that you're going to be following? I've really enjoyed um, uh, uh, what are called Gordon Research Conferences that are uh, specialized in, in different areas because it's, it's a fairly intimate setting. You've got a couple hundred scientists, a lot of them know each other. Um, and they're all, you know, focused on a single single goal, and they they share at these conferences. They share uh, cutting edge, unpublished research. Um, uh, there's also a number of other meetings, Keystone meetings uh, on aging, um, and uh, and one in, in Cold Spring Harbor on um, uh, molecular genetics of aging that I really uh, enjoy attending. Fantastic. And is there anything uh, else that you'd like to add? Um, just that uh, this this is is really the the beginning of a, a new era um, for us in, in being able to uh, for the first time really control um, aging and, and age related health and that's that's very exciting. So instead of of trying to find a single cure for Alzheimer's or um, uh, and a different cure for cancer, we might actually be able to take something that, uh, as a as a preventative medicine, that actually uh, keeps us from from uh, you know having these diseases, and that's that's uh, really really exciting. And and I think um, I, I would say stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, on that very exciting note, uh, that is all we have time for today. But thank you very much to Dr. Rogers for joining us and for discussing his fascinating work. Don't forget to visit regbednet.com for the latest news and views on regenerative medicine, including more about the innovative research at the MDI Biological Laboratory. We'd love to hear what you thought about this podcast, which you can do by leaving a comment on regmednet.com, tweeting at regbednet, or leaving us a message on Facebook and LinkedIn. Please join me again soon.